Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com golf. Fella. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Missing Curfew. Updog, we got one of your former teammates, all-time beauty still going. Live and alive from Tahoe. Yeah, introduce this beauty. Yeah, I'd like to. Mr. 75, one of my favorite all-time line mates and teammates and buddies, a guy that I played with for three years, and I got to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, got to, I got to say what I wanted. I got to do what I wanted. And uh, what a guy to have on your squad to drink beers with and to go to battle with. Ryan Reeves, thanks for joining the boys at Missing Curfew. Uh, we know you're in Tahoe. It's cold here, so thanks for coming on, buddy. We appreciate it. Anytime. It's nice to toast you in the room, so we're good. Yeah, you're just up the street here. We're on. Uh, we're here at the Hard Rock Casino. They have us uh, set up shop over here. We we missed curfew last night, so we got a couple noise complaints in the hotel when we got in. A couple pee pee slaps. But uh, yeah, you're da- you're down the street. How's how's the uh, experience been so far? We cruised over there for practice today, but how was it out on the sheet? It was. Uh, it started good. The sun came out and uh, the ice got a little slushy. So you know me, Uppy. It's not going to be good for my hands oh. tomorrow if that sun's out. <laughs> going to be a lot of dump bucks and uh, some quick changes. But uh, it was it was unreal, unreal view out there. Like it brought me back to, you know, when you're younger playing the outdoor pond. Obviously, Winnipeg doesn't have the view like that, but it was uh, it was fun being out there. Buddy, I used to love snapping it around. Me and Obes love talking about snapping it around, like hard, crispy passes. And speaking of crispy, our centerman that we had, Kyle Brads, yeah. <laughs> like, what, what a good line. What a good combo. In practices, okay, so it's slushy. I can't handle the puck. Neither can Revo. So we're like, <laughs> hey, Brody, crispy, don't fucking pass us the puck today, right? You're going to do the shooting. you got to do the carry and the puck over the line. But, um, fuck, we had, we had hey, a good you, line. Do you remember how we got that nickname? No, but I'd love to hear it because no, I fucking forget everything. So I, I can't remember where we were. I think we landed in Florida maybe, and we all went out uh, and we started playing What Are the Odds? And so remember we had uh, – so Crispy – I can't remember who it was, but 
said, what are the odds that every time you snap a pass tomorrow, you <laughs> yell crispy? And, you know, sure enough, he fucking loses. So all, all fucking practice. <laughs> Didn't you have to rifle pucks at Hitch all practice too? Oh yeah, yeah. That he would like Hitch would skate around super slow in the middle of the ice, and it was like a competition. If you, if you lost that game, it was to hit Hitch with a bunch of pucks. Like. But, I, but I think that was your. I think that was your loss. That, I think you that was my loss. Yeah. Hitch all practice. Totally. Oh fuck. Skeeter, Skeeter almost had to sh- almost had to shave his whole bucket too. You would. So you guys no, know the man. game? Do you guys no, know the no. game? What's this game? So, Revo, explain what are the odds. But you know what? You pass the ace when you all get yeah, on yeah, the bus. Yeah, chase the ace. Yeah. So chase the ace is when, you know, to our listeners, when you get off the bird, you all jump on the bus. Uh, you know, you got a 45-minute ride into the hotel. Get a thing of cards, and you pass the ace. Loser, fucking, or the winner. Well, last guy in will win all the cash. Yeah, yeah, chase the ace. This is a similar thing, but it's more of like a, like a, well, like a dare game almost. Yeah, it's more like a dare game. So I would say... I would say, what are the odds you slam that beer right now? <laughs> Fucking so pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's, from, it's from one to fifteen. So if it's you know if Uppy's a little bitch and doesn't like to slam beer, which okay, so he did it for free. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say it's like uh, you know something that you don't want to do. What's a, what's the odds you chug that ketchup bottle? Let's say. So you would it's go it's between one and fifteen or sorry two and fifteen. You gotta say. If it's something you really don't want to do, you say a number closer to 15 or 15. Oh, I know if it's something, no problem, like slamming that beer, you can go to two or you can say something closer to two. So then I'll go one, two, three. And on three, we both say a number between one and 15. If I hit the number that you were thinking of, you have to do it. If I don't, then it's just over. But if I go, if, if you say between one and two, then that means one of us is doing it no matter what. So like, as, as the night goes on and boys get a little more banged up, you start getting closer a to two. cockier. I remember we had, uh, we had Bobo. No, no, we had uh, Els. I don't know if you were there yet. We had uh, Brian Elliott. He had to, we were at this restaurant. He had to go up to this uh, table of girls and just grab the ketchup bottle, slam a little bit of ketchup, look at the girls, be like, mmm, tomatoes. You're not allowed to say anything. Like, you can't say, hey, I'm playing a game. So it's got to be like, you just got to do it and shut the fuck up. That's great. See, you know you're on all beauty teams when they like you do some of this shit. Yeah, yeah, that's fun shit. Hey, Revo, so I know the game's changed, but your first year in Vegas, did you guys notice teams coming in? And being a little hungover, the Vegas food. Did you guys oh, see that at all? The first year, they were like, "Holy fuck, this whole team's hungover tonight." Boys, we got this. At home. You know, so like I got there the trade trade yeah, deadline, that's right, that's and right. when I was in Pittsburgh, still, that's all I thought. It was like, oh, you're just catching all these guys that are going there and getting shit canned, and you know, you're just running over them because there's no way this team's actually that good. Well, I went down there with Pittsburgh, and you know, I, I think I, me and you know, I'm not going to say who, but yeah, me yeah. and one other guy went out a little bit. And, uh, man, we got shit kicked. Like, he wasn't even close. No, no, one guy went. We didn't go to a show. We didn't go to a club. We, I did, like, only a couple of guys went to dinner. We didn't do shit. And we got absolutely run out of that building. I remember we were sitting in the locker room after. It was like, oh, you know, that team's kind of legit. Like, they're, they're <laughs> fucking fast. They, they swarm you everywhere. And, yeah, I mean, they, it definitely changed my opinion of the team when we played them for sure. But yeah, I mean, you're, they're definitely catching some teams on the rookie party and yeah. you know, you know, the second day hung, like the next day is not the problem. It's no, the it's second, the second day, day for sure. Second <laughs> day hung is the, is the killer. You're yeah. like, you're like, boys, we got shit kicked. We all should at least went out the night before. We got no excuse for this now. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you know what? If we're going to get shit kicked, might as well have made it a good one. Yeah. yeah. By the way, this, this Golden Knight team has a really good home record, boys. We might as well just go out and get yeah. you know, juiced up. 
come come to the ring prepared, but you know, just let's do it with a little bit of that Vegas energy. Especially if you're a team on the East, you only get one shot at Vegas. You gotta take advantage of that night. Yeah. So hey Revo, when you got to Vegas that first year when you got the deadline, what 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 rallied that team together? Obviously the stuff happened for the preseason in Vegas with the shooting, we know that, but was it just everyone that came into that team being expansive draft? What brought that team together so quickly that first year? Uh well again, like I I wasn't there when, you know, they were kind of forming but from everything that i've kind of learned and heard about the team before i got there was it was just a bunch of guys that had no status on the team uh-huh. they were all guys that were left out of their protected list or you know traded there somehow and it was all it was all guys that were coming together because their other teams didn't want them so nobody had a status nobody could come there with an ego everybody could be there themselves because you know they didn't know each other nobody knew anybody or you know maybe one or two guys knew each other so I think that was probably a, a huge thing for that team was, you know, everybody could just kind of go and do their own thing and be themselves, and, you know, they can all just kind of bond through that. Uh, Revo, so we all played for Gerard Gallant Turk in uh, Florida together when we were there. Um, I sat on the panel with him this year for, for the Trade Center Day at TSN. Uh, I thought he was the perfect coach for you guys for the expansion draft, like, you know, moving forward. He's a, he's a player's coach. You could probably attest to that. Um, how has that transition been for you guys? Because, I mean, to him it was a shock, but he, he almost laughs about things where he's like, ah, they bring me in for two years all the time. And I, I get the team, like, rocking and rolling, and then they get rid of me, and, and here I am. Now I'm doing TV work. But, uh, you know, c- could you tell maybe, could you tell us, the, you know, that that transition and what it's like? Peter DeBoer, obviously, his record speaks for itself. Um, and our boy Robert Bertuzzo had him in junior, loved him. So, you know, as a guy that played the San Jose Sharks a bunch and, you know, you beat up a lot of their guys all the time. <laughs> what was it like uh, having him come in? Uh, well, the first day was scary as fuck for me. Uh, we played, I mean, we played San Jose the year before in playoffs. And, I mean, I used to I used to chirp Pete so much. Like, coming on the <laughs> ice, I would just, I would stare him down. I would be screaming at him. He'd be screaming at the refs, like, why are you letting this guy chirp and like so, then I heard that he was coming in, and my heart—I almost had a heart attack. And I was like, "Man, this guy is gonna fucking send me to the miners the second he gets here." Like I was so nervous, but I mean, he came in, we talked, and you know, I was like, "Hey, do, do we need to hug it out?" He's like, "No, no, we're good." <laughs> but so I mean, you know, after the first day, it was uh, yeah. I mean, he's a great coach. He he came in, and I think you know where we lacked a little bit in the D zone, he came in and really fixed that, and. Um, you know, we, we had a good team. We just had some things that needed to tweak, and uh, he, he brought a little bit of his philosophy in, and it was it was pretty seamless. I mean, it took it, it took like a couple days to get used to the D zone. Um, you know, his philosophy is in the D zone, but other than that, it was it was pretty seamless. Hey, hey Revo, I, I got to know this guy a bit when I was in Vancouver, Scott Oak, and you always good fu- newfie. You, you always fuck around with him on Hockey Night Canada, and it's fucking great. What's your relationship with him? Did you did you grow up with him or something, or how do you know Scott Oak so well? Because I love when you so, fuck around with him. So the Oak family is like my second family. They grew up uh, two doors down from me since I was born, and so Darcy uh, is one of my best friends. Uh, is his son, okay. and I mean, I used to when I was younger, I used to live in his live in his house. I, I mean, I, he always tells a story. I would because one thing they got a hot He's tub, like, and I would just head. stroll <laughs> over with my. Uh, with my robe on, I just knock on the door. I wouldn't wait for anybody to open the door. I was like, "Hey, black man, coming in!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that, that's just like a second family for me. I, I mean, I love, I love everybody in that family. 
Revo, yeah, I just I cut you off there with the, the one clip where you just yeah, start yeah. rubbing his head and give him a hug. It's fucking. Yeah, I, I always he go is, for his hair. He's, it's, it's, I know it's, it's he's he is such a they good. Gotta go after it. He's such a good like Canadian hockey night in Canada guy. Like he's from Newfoundland though, right? Like uh, Scott is, I believe. Part of me, uh, part know, of me sure. thinks yeah, when I sat down I, with him, yeah. he's like, "Hey, he fellow Newfie, you know." Anyway, um, I, I had a great a great chat with him one day uh, doing that after hours. In Van. Yeah, you're on that a couple times. Yeah, he's a good dude. I got to know him very well in Vancouver, and you know in Canada the media. But he was always a good dude. But I love when I love when Revo fucks around with him. It's great. Revo, I know the boys here at Mission Curfew would probably say you are the toughest guy in the league, and you like you like to throw the hands here and there. So, is there any young guys right now in the league that are trying to get a shot at the champ right now? Uh, you know that McDermott's asked me a couple times, um, but like I. Look, the way the league has gone, the, hey, let's fight off the draw and nothing's happened, you know, especially right now with no fans, like, it doesn't do anything. And yeah. so, that like, he's asked me a couple times just for no reason. And I always tell him, like, hey, go run somebody or do something in the game or, you know, let me go run somebody and come after me and then we'll fight. But, like, I, I don't I don't like the let's just fight off the draw for no reason. Like, it, just, it just doesn't do anything. The, you know, the, co- the coaches don't think it does anything. So, I, I just – it's pointless. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not game one or two, right? It's not like you're down two nothing in a in a playoff series and, right. and you got to turn the momentum around. So yeah, yeah right now in game you know fifteen sixteen, I, I agree. Save them, save the hands for the fucking stick handling, baby. And I don't get a lot now, so when I do fight, they they're getting and I'm getting old too, so like the, the hands they cramp up a little bit now. <laughs> hey Revo, I remember when you came in the league and, and listen, you came in as a buzzsaw. But was there any guy we had Big Earn on a couple weeks ago and he talked about fighting Ty Domi. Was there one guy you wanted to, like, you, I got to fight this guy, or a guy you are maybe a little bit intimidated when you first got in the show, or were you just like, bring it on, I'll fight anyone? I mean, that's funny you say Big Earn, because that was, like, that guy used to scare me. Yeah. He, he, used to, he used to be, like, scary. So the thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I was never really an actual fighter. I, like, I only had a couple fights in junior. I came into the AHL, and, you know, I was told you have to start fighting, so I started fighting. And then, I, you know, so I... I learned I was kind of tough in the AHL, but I never, you know, I didn't fight a ton of like super heavyweights and there were some back then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I came to NHL and yeah, okay, now I know I'm a little tough, but now there's like, you know, you have the toughest of the tough here because that, you know, that was still kind of that day where you had the McIntyres and the Big Earn and, you know, all those guys. And so I remember, uh, you know, Peros, the very first game, he asked me to fight my very first shift. I was like, yo, let me get let me get a shift in quick here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I ended up fighting uh, Chip Cheer and my tie down comes off and I get kicked out of the game. So I didn't have to fight him there. But, um, you know, as as I, like as I progressed, you know, I fought like Kyle Clifford. Yeah. I knocked him out and then I started thinking, OK, maybe I'm a little tougher than I think. But then I fought Big Earn and... I wasn't looking for, but we were down to rip in the game early. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, I got to, I got to fight him. Like, this is my job. And I remember like, I'm not saying I won the fight. Cause like, man, I got to the penalty box. I had like three, three, four golf balls on my forehead. I couldn't move my neck, but I just remember like, I looked over at him and he was leaking over his eyebrow and he kind of looked at me like, who the fuck is this? Cause I remember he was laughing during the fight. He like went to like uh, bluff me and I jumped back and he started laughing. And he and I was like, you motherfucker, you know, you that cocky, huh? He was so that I caught, cocky. I caught him a couple hard, like over his eyebrow. And I remember, I, I don't think he played. Uh, I don't think he played for a couple of weeks after. I think I conked him, but um, he was 
he was like who I was scared to fight because he was also in, he was nationally played him a ton. And he's also who, when I fought him, I realized I was a little tougher than I thought. That's a great story. Hey, Revo, the one thing I love about your game, bro, is you can forecheck and you hunt pucks. With the rules now in the game now, do you find it hard some nights to play that way still? Like, I just feel when I watch these games now, like, it's hard to play physical. Do you find that or you still can do it within your ways? No, I mean, I, you know, you just, you just can't jump. You can't hit high. And I've never, I think the way I hit, I, I kind of hit like a football player. You know, I, I, I tend to hit square on a lot. I bend my knees. I come through with my hands a lot. So, you know, I don't think it really changes. Like, I, I've never been a guy that really jumps. I, I don't. I don't find that helps when you hit. Um, you just gotta, you know, you just gotta do it clean. And I got a pretty good rep with the refs. Uh, they they know I play clean. I've had refs come up to me and like, hey, thanks for not laying them out there from behind. And so I, I think that kind of helps too. If there's one that may be a little bit on edge, but um, I mean, the rules don't the rules don't change for me. Still trying to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Re Revo. I just this just thought. I just thought of this for a second. We'll be always laughs when I think of <laughs> random shit. But uh, so obviously the league's super young, right? Tons of young players coming in, probably lo looking around the room, seeing like big guy, like you know, um, look looking up to you, Patrietti, like old, older guys on your team. Um, when you were a younger player in St. Louis, a couple guys played a prank on you when you were like in your first training camp when you fell asleep in the fucking uh oh, fuck, <laughs> tell man. tell this big, story big wall so big wall i was hurt i was hurt my first training camp and uh walt comes off after after his skate and he's like hey kid come over here they had this like <laughs> water massage bed and it was like one of those you lay down it shoots the hot water up and you know what I mean? the, the ones that you see at the fucking mall sometimes yeah okay like, hey, kid come over here try this thing out and I was like, well, what the fuck? Like, why is he telling me to go on a massage bed? But like, what am I going to say? No, no big Walt? Like, no, you fucking legend. Yeah, no problem. I'll fucking I'll pull up a pillow. So I, I lay down. He sets this thing for 30 minutes. And so I, I lay down, and this thing's so relaxing. I fall asleep. I mean, like, I'm out cold, like drool coming down my fucking face. And uh, it must have been probably 10 minutes into it. I think it was Bryce Salvador, Salvador, maybe. Somebody comes in and slams the bed. No fucking sleeping in the locker room. Wake up, wipe the drool off my face. I look over, there's the GM. He goes, who's that kid? Uh, Ray Borelli. Ray, Ray Borelli goes, uh, it's Ryan Reese. He's a young kid. Like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, shit. 20 minutes later, sent back down to the NHL. Like, it wasn't even 20 minutes. Like It was, it was a tough, uh, I had a tough first training camp. Like I, I did that. I went down like I never used to train back in the day. Like I, I was playing in a beer league when I was when I came into the, my first training camp. I didn't have like a skating coach, and so I came down to the AHL. And because I just came off injury, I'm getting bag skated by Painter. And we're doing this drill. It's like five shots go the blue line, come back five shots go the red line, come back five shots. And I was supposed to do it five times. I did it twice, and I just take a knee. He's like, "All right, Rebo, time to go." I was like, Painter, I can't. He's like, Revo, get up. Time to go. I like, it's my first training camp ever. I was like, Painter, I, I can't. Okay. He skates off the ice. I get off. I'm not even undressed. Like, hey, uh, they want to see you in the office. Hey, uh, Revo, we're going to send you down to Alaska. <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> and so, like, the way the way everything went for me in the, my first training camp, in my head, I was like, I'm buried in the coast of the year. No problem. Like, 100%, there's no way I'm making it back here. So, I ended up packing my whole truck up, and I drove up to Canada, all the way through, back down to Seattle, shipped my truck to Alaska, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to post up here. 
I was there for training camp and three games, and uh, a guy in uh, Peoria missed missed practice because he was drunk all night and they called me back up so i had had to leave my truck and all my shit in alaska and i was like i was sitting with like one suitcase when i got there for probably three months hey see that's, that's the shit that's people, how you that's, grind no but that's the shit revo people fans don't realize right hey, like they see grind like, it out. but that's fucking like shit like that's crazy yeah that's hey Hey kid, you're going to Alaska. <laughs> Imagine oh, if they man. told a young kid that now, they'd be like, "What?" what? <laughs> cry, cry your mom. Yeah, fuck. Anyway, Rebo, you always find a way to get under a guy's skins, and uh, one guy in particular is Vander Kane. How did oh, yeah. how did this uh, whole feud start, and where does it stand today? Where does it stand today? Yeah, what are you guys still going at it here and there? You guys going to play each other? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't like the guy. Like, look. Yeah. It started when I was in St. Louis, and we we'd play Buffalo all the time, or we'd play Buffalo once a year, and he would he would just always he'd run around, and you know I was running around, and we you know we'd come together sometimes, and I'd always say, okay, fuck, let's go then, and he wouldn't he wouldn't he would never fight me, and this went on for years and years, but he'd always act so tough, and he'd all you know, oh I would kill you, be chirping me from the bench, I would kill you, you don't even want to fight me, he's like, okay, well let's go then, and he still wouldn't fight. <laughs> And then he said one time in the media, he said, uh, he asked me to go uh, in Buffalo. He asked me to fight, and I said no. I was like, well, bullshit. Yeah. My athlete said no. Uh, and so I just like, you know, I have no problem with guys playing hard and, and chirping. You know what I mean? But if you're going to say you're going to beat me up, then back it up and, and fight me. And whether you beat me up or not, I'll, you know, I'll show you respect then. But it took me, what, nine, ten years to get a fight from him? You know, and, and look, it's not like the guy's, uh, you know, an upstanding citizen. What yeah. <laughs> well well said. Well said. I think the guy's a fucking clown, too. He pulled the same antics with uh, Kevin Miller. He did the same shit. He was no, sitting there and say he was going to try to fight him. Kevin Miller, he'd fight anybody. He's a tough kid. He's a, he's a yeah. customer, too. That might, might be a nice little tilt for you to get going, but I don't, don't, I'm don't. i not going to set that one. Is he back, in, is he back playing? Yeah, he's, he's back. He, hurt for yeah, a long he got time. back this year, but he's tough. But, but back to the cane. He did the same shit. They're chirping, chirping. Kevin Miller's like, let's go. And then goes into the media after the game. Like, he doesn't want to fight. I mean, Miller was fucking yeah. just waiting you know what weeks I mean? so to like, get this kid. I, I just can't respect a guy that does shit like that. And so to your second question, where's the stand today? I still don't like the guy. Yeah. I, still, <laughs> I still want to kill him. Like, it's just, I, I don't think that's ever going to change. You know, it's, I always say there's there's some guys that, you know, like Tom Wilson. I, uh, me and him have had a feud on the ice, you know, since, uh, since the playoffs. But I always say, I bet you if I saw him outside of hockey – I'd sit down and have a beer, and I bet you'd be friends. Yeah, I don't. I don't think me and uh, I don't think me and Kane can ever be friends. <laughs> uh, Revo, your boy Flowers here. Uh, <laughs> Flowers coming from, from a few guys here, like a good quality pint. Uh, tell us a little bit about a uh, seventy-five brewery. It's uh, that's exciting. Seventy-five Brewing. Seventy-five Brewing is uh, yeah. We started it two two and a half years ago. Now we launched our first one, uh, two Decembers ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been fun. We, it was like an idea. So after my first year in Vegas, uh, I, I resigned and I was sitting in my, uh, sitting in my living room with my girl and my brother had been telling me, do something with Grim Reaver, like do a, a clothing line, do beer, whatever it is, do something. And he'd been pestering me for like a year. And I was just sitting there. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do a, I'm going to start a beer company. And like, I don't know the first thing about starting a beer company, but my buddy back home, he used to work for Labatt. So I flew down to Vegas. He, I flew him down there. He's like, hey, come for a couple of meetings with me. And uh, I, 
he wasn't, I, I wasn't going to ask him to come on board with me because he had his own company. He was starting up in Canada. But when he left, he landed in Calgary, I think at the time, or Toronto. And I landed in Winnipeg. He called me right away. He's like, hey, you know, I kind of want to come on board here. This, this looks like a, we could do something here. And that was in August. And by December, we had our first beer out uh, in cans, in tap. And right now we got, uh, so we have four, we got a, a lager, a golden ale, a stout, and a IPA, uh, all in cans and draft. And then we have uh, a blonde ale that's in cans and draft, only with MGM. So it's exclusive to MGM properties. It's going to be in the pool parties this summer. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we're buzzing. We're making a, we're, we're talking about making our fifth beer pretty soon here. That's great. You might have to Talk show up to those pool parties. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're going to have to show up to those pool parties, hand deliver these these new blondies. Well, every venue every venue that has the beer, I got to go show some kind of love, right? So, you know, I'm going to throw a party and be like, hey, thank you so much for having my beer. Let me show up for it. You know? <laughs> Hey Revo, Revo on the bird on the birds all the time. Like on our plane after the games, you and I would be the only guys that we'd have our Stewies who were awesome at the time in St. Louis. We had we had great girls. Um, we'd be like, hey, we need IPAs. All these guys like to drink Bud Lights, and whatever. I know. I'm like, we need some IPAs. And the boys are always like, hey, that Revo, like he can crush beer, but how does he stay so like jacked? How does he stay so jacked? I'm like, I don't know. You gotta ask him. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can tell that. Right like, you gotta ask him. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't eat. He's on this IPA diet. It, it works. It yeah. works. So, so you know what though? If you, for me and you, only drink drinking IPAs. How many guys drink IPAs now? Tons. By the end of that, by the end of that season, we had half the team drinking them. I agree. Because you don't need you don't need to drink twelve. You you're just a beer drink drinker. Four or five, yeah. and you're feeling. If you can yeah. drink IPA, you're a beer exactly. drinker. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Or Guinness. Yeah, which Guinness. is a new stout you guys got coming out, right? We, yeah, we just launched a stout. It's really good. It's my favorite one. Wow, nice it's breakfast. Called, it's called it's like Reaver. Sweet. Yeah. So Revo, I'm a Philly guy. I'm obviously a big Flyers fan growing up, and uh, they're for what Philly fans are used to seeing. They're they're a little soft, in my opinion. And I've always said for years, I would love a guy like Revo to be on the Flyers. Like, just, just keeping other teams honest, especially when it matters most in the playoffs. Um, but <laughs> I love watching Uppy play, right? I watched St. Louis games when he was there, and you guys were there together playing on the same line. And I, I like busting his balls, but you're not tough. But, man, were you tough. <laughs> I will <laughs> fuck you up right here. You're not tough, but you would be so tough out there when you when you. I had, I, had the sec, I had the second and third toughest guys in the league. <laughs> 100%. You always have. It's, I, a, it's a great role, I'm telling you. It's a great role. And I, then if you yeah, put a couple yeah, of pieces in that, fuck, it's all good. I love baby. watching you play up here, just, just being who you are. And just Go full up, dog. Always looking over your shoulder. Where's Revo? The best, thing, Revo? Hey, the best thing about playing, too, with Revo is when we had Hitch as our coach, right? We, no matter what we did out there, we always fucking tried hard, right? We were always like, if if we were, you guys fucking, had a great if we fucked line. shit up, Revo, great fourth line. We would back check hard, and we would try to kill guys, and we would try to not take penalties. I would take a lot, but um, <laughs> but but Hitch, we'd turn around if Hitch was giving it to us, we'd be like, fuck you, Hitch. All right, we're trying, we're fucking trying out here. That was the best thing about Hitch is like, he was he was the guy. I hot shit to like to the point where it's like, man, you just gotta shut up. Please just shut up. But if you gave it back to him, he loved it. He loved like, it. I, re- I remember. I remember. I don't know if you were there or not. It was the uh, Yozi was the assistant, so you were there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was there. Been there. Yeah. So we come off from a shift, and I think I turned it over, and they had a couple scoring chances. 
and I sit down. So I'm all the way at the very end on the, on the left side. And Hitch is just fucking screaming. Randall, you gotta get the fucking money back! <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm honest with myself. Up, so like, I'll say, yeah, okay, my bad. My bad. But he kept Cheek right a little. Cheek right a little bit. Now I'm sitting again. Randall, fuck me! You gotta get the fucking like, yeah, I heard you. I know. I'm sorry. My bad. Cheek right one more time. Now he's right in front of me. Did you hear? And I, I was like, it's the only time I've really snapped. I turned around and I grabbed him by the tie. I was like, you don't shut your fucking mouth. I'm going to strangle you with this fucking tie. And it, like, the anger in my face when I said it was real. And then I said it in way. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, I was a little nervous. So, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. So, like, I, the next day we get to practice and Yozy comes up to me. He's like, hey. You probably can't say that to a coach and grab his pilot. Like, yeah, you're right. He's like, you should probably go apologize. Yeah, you're right. So I go into Hitch's office. Hey, Hitch, uh, you know, my bad. I didn't mean to grab your tie and say that. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's, that's exactly right. And I was there. Me and Brody were like, oh, <laughs> we were dying. That's gonna be the best well, hit shot. Oh, should we might need a new lining? You did a great, a great. Oh, hit, but that's good. Oh, that's yeah, that's one. a good hit. Otter does a good one too. I mean, yeah, he that's does. Great. Yeah. But yeah. your fourth line though, that you guys in St. Louis, that, you were huge for that squad. Like, you we, guys would change momentum of games. I watch you guys in the playoffs. I'm like, you were an important piece of that squad. That fourth 100%. line, yeah, hundred percent. We had Otter too, and Otter fucking ripped his hamstring right off the bone the one oh, year. Oh, so, man. so he missed that probably so five cool. months. So it was, it, it, it became you, me, Brody solidified we just yeah. you know hitch brought us in and hitch would just say you guys are my only line that i do not want to worry about you guys know your yeah. fucking role i i don't want to ever have a meeting with you guys so if you play bad figure it out figure it out yourselves <laughs> go ahead go have a line meeting yeah, yourself not dealing with you guys. <laughs> yeah. like, you I, and that was kind of cool that's that was a like a, res it was a respect though, yeah. factor i mean hitch hitch knew each of us personally and as players and he, he that's why i love hitch i i'm fucking I love talking about Hitch. Um, we got to have Hitch on this fucking podcast. He'd be hilarious. You, you have to. <laughs> I have to. Like, have to. I, I know. He would be great, and he would love to come on. But, you know, you look back at some of your coaches, and, you know, everyone kind of knacks Hitch for maybe just the way he chirps or how or, looks. Or, or, or looks, looks or how he <laughs> skates on the ice. But he's fucking – he was a great coach. Very methodical. Uh, historian, right? Like, you ever sit with him having coffee with him? He'll just start oh, yeah. ripping, like – old war stories and shit he's well, he's cool well where did where did we go that one year uh before, you know like we'd always take a little trip before the season where, where ann did we arbor go? because there was like ann arbor because they had that uh war museum or something yeah. we go down there just so we could go to that fucking museum we had our we had our rookie party in ann arbor that year uh, where'd you time, go though. we I went to we went to uh yeah. we had dinner and then we went to some fucking uh like college bar and I remember Jim Bowmeister came up. <laughs> Jim Bowmeister. <laughs> hey, Rebo, that's the best nickname I've ever fucking heard. When up you told me that, I was fucking dying. Oh, yeah. Jimbo? Yeah, Did well, we well he he's Jim? Jay Bowmeister, but when he had a few beers in him and, the, and the glasses went on and the hair started going around, he turned into Jim. Man, yeah. he was just like, he would just sit there and watch people. And then he'd do like something really weird one time and then he'd just start watching. He had those big eyes where he just like, yeah. just stared at him and he just crushed because he doesn't say much sober right but if you get a couple enemy talks right from what i've heard or is he a pretty quiet guy uh, no or, he's still pretty quiet but he's just like he's like a little more involved in what's going on you know what i mean 
Yeah, oh, he's, Jim, he's the you best. Told me that nickname, I mean, I'd fucking laugh. I've known him since we were kids, and and thank you know his his ending of his career is yeah, is fuck. sad but great. Stanley Cup, he's healthy. Um, so anyway, shout out to our boy Jay, who I know he's, listens to yeah, the pod. Revo, um, we really appreciate this fella. Um, Uppy has nothing but great things to say about you. I played against you, battle against you. Uh, you're a dying breed, fella. Keep it going. We love watching you, and, and we're always pulling for Vegas. So thanks, my man. Appreciate it, boys. Go All pop right, one. Go, go, go pop one tomorrow for yeah, the boys. Yeah, get one tomorrow for the boys. Get one tomorrow. Let's go over. Well over. You do, baby. All right, pal. Hey, thanks for coming, pal. Thank you. See ya. Up dog, we got another legend, the man of the week, the man of the hour, the man of fucking everything. He right broke now. the internet this week too. I didn't know. He? I knew he was a beauty, but that was uh, <laughs> that was next level. So, uh, Chris Pronger, Prongs, thank you for taking time. Congratulations, buddy. Um, it was awesome to watch. The whole thing was was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Uh, a great final uh, denouement, climax, whatever you want to call it, to to my career here in St. Louis, and obviously seeing uh, my number go up in the rafters is pretty special. Talking about special, I got to talk to you about the suit you had on here. I'm missing curfew. We talk about style. <laughs> or fashion Listen, guys Listen, buddy, I, I, I know you made a little cheddar, but was that a brand new one? Did you have that one tucked away? Or like that? It was looking nice no, on you. It was looking that, nice. Uh, that suit actually was uh, one of my Florida suits just for the draft or whatever. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's... Uh, that old thing? You gotta have a nice suit in Florida. Yeah. I, I guess mean, you, do. you can't be walking around, you know, South Beach or Fort Lauderdale with a half decent suit on. You gotta look good over. I, I respect you even more that you just had that in the cloud. I'll throw this one on for the jersey at time. I'm not gonna lie, Prongs. I would have well, mine wouldn't have fit me anymore. So congratulations. No, it's still I was fits. gonna say you might want to get refit. <laughs> Hey, how about that nice knot, that little Windsor knot, too? Yeah. Who, who dialed that yeah, up for you? got to have the power tie, the power knot. You know? <laughs> I mean, you def definitely left an impression. Um, Prongs, I just want to talk about St. Louis and, and you, know, the, um, you know, the celebration you had the other night. Um, your wife's from there. Why is St. Louis home? You know, I, I love St. Louis. I love the fans. They had such a welcoming party for you. But what does it mean to be, you know, now a, a resident of St. Louis and to be your jersey in the rafters there? What does that mean to you? It's awesome. Uh, obviously spent half my career in St. Louis playing for the Blues. And um, as you said, my wife's from here. Two of my three kids were born here. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's easy living. As a small town Canada kid, it's a quasi big city with a small town atmosphere, a small town feel, uh, great schools, pretty easy traffic for the most part. And uh, it's easy to get around great people. Midwestern people are the best. Fresh beer. <laughs> the beer is made Fresh right beer across the street. at every turn. <laughs> <laughs> the beer is shit. The beer is made right across the street. All those taps are cold. Progs, I want, I want to ask you, buddy, because obviously when I played with you, you know, to me, you were Chris Pronger, the guy that I've watched growing up. And from your speech, like, you know, I got traded when I was younger, but to get traded at 20 years old from from a team that, you know, you take your second overall, like, how was that for you? Like, how intimidated were you walking that dressing room at 20? Because that, that's got to be a, a big change for you. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize when the trade was made. I was excited for the trade, first and foremost, getting to play with Al and Holly, and they had just signed Fierzy and you know, knowing kind of what I was getting into, but I didn't realize that at the time of the trade, Shani was actually surpassing Hully for a fan favorite. 
I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. And then I got here and found out real quick <laughs> <laughs> when I was getting the cold shoulder and the brush off from, you know, all kinds of people in the community because they were upset. There was a lot of kids named Brendan at the time, uh, you know, because he was a fan favorite. And so it was uh, not the easiest of situations to come into. And then, uh, the whole training camp debacle with Keenan calling me out of shape and not, uh, you know, all the stuff that transpired. Me and Furzy were on the bike. We were, we were bike mates together. You, so you're telling me you were in the fat shape. club? Were you in the fat club, Prongs? Were you in the fat uh, club? I wasn't fat, but I was in the out of shape club. Hey, listen, we finally have something in common in our career, Prongs. I'm looking at your thing. At least you're in the fat club one time, even yeah. though you weren't fat. You're not just both left handed. We're not just both left handed. We're both in the fat club. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, was, uh, yeah. it was a wake up call. Mike is obviously very uh, fitness focused, uh, wanted all his players, you know, VO2s needed to be over 60 and needed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, you know, probably a, a kick in the ass that I needed a little wake up call to take my career more seriously, uh, take my fitness more seriously. And, and then, you know, as I said before, a couple of years into my tenure in St. Louis, I started training with Al, training with his trainer, and that kind of took me to the next level. Yeah, it might not have been just a fitness thing. It might have been Keenan just being hard on you because you're a rookie or you were, you know, two years in the league, a little different than now. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I think part of that, part of that, yes, but also part of it, you know, you look at his time in Philly, his time in Chicago, his time in New York. You know, he had Shelly in, in Chicago. He had Brian Leach in New York. Those are two guys that I know he he went after pretty hard early on in their their time with him to kind of push them and, and get them in better shape, get them, you know, playing the way he wanted them to play. And he was much more of a, uh, uh, not an X's and O's technici- technician, but more of a motivator and, and uh, uh, things of that nature with, with players. Yeah, Prongsy, because listen, when I played with you, you know, wherever we went, you got booed too, but you fucking kind of liked it when it was on the road. Like, how did, how did you, how did you handle it? And listen, like I, when I first went to Vancouver, you know, and you hear people chirping or whatever, it, it gets to you. How, how did you just work through it? Was it just being mentally tougher and just sucking it up? Or, cause I just can't imagine having to deal with that after, you know, wanting to go somewhere. Yeah, no, it was the first 60 games of my tenure here. I was booed relentlessly. Every yeah. period, every time I touch the puck, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of it was uh, self-induced, but uh, a lot of it was, you know, getting called into the office and getting yelled at in between periods. And then I got to go out and I got to get booed. And then I got to get yelled at before practice or after practice or, you know, watching video and doing all that. It was, it was hard, but I think the adversity, it prepares you for life and prepares you for what you're going to handle as your career goes, goes forward. And, there were a lot of forks in the road after that, you know, that being the hardest. And and once you get through something like that, like everything else is easy. Yeah. I went through that, not on your level, obviously. Um, the fans were booming. Well, John Tortorella, my second year, after I got traded from the Ducks to Tampa, the second year in Tampa, like every day calling me and ripping me. And I'm like, this guy's picking on me. Like, and looking back, I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was just trying to make me a better person and a better player. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And, you know, Tortorella's, uh, similar to, to Mike in that fashion where a lot of it is, you know, screaming and yelling or motivating, finding the what buttons they can push to get you to play your best. Prongs, I want to bring up, uh, you were always a son of a bitch to play against you. I mean, look, <laughs> at you got 1,600 PIMS. 
You've been suspended eight times, only eight times. You'd have even more money if you didn't get suspended so much, Prongs. You didn't mind to get suspended, but like, at what point were you, you know, in in your career, like looking around going, shit, I can get away with some of this stuff. Like, I'm going to make this really hard on guys, you know, refs, you know, refs understand this is just how I play. Um, cause we, on the other team were like, guys, he's going to fucking cross check you. Their refs aren't going to call it. You just got to fucking deal with it and fight through it. Like, at what point in your career were you like, fuck, I can get away with this stuff. These re- like, they're letting, they're letting hockey play. Yeah. Well, the, my first, you know, four or five years, that's, that was the game anyways. They're first yeah. off, they weren't calling any of that. Yeah, and totally. then it was creating a relationship with the referees and talking to them instead of telling them to F off and screaming and yelling at them. It was more like forge that relationship and, and common bond and talk to them and, and kind of gussy up next to them and, and, you know, form that friendship. And then, you know, they're going to have the wherewithal on the ice that you're getting a little high with the cross check. <laughs> right? Don't slash so hard. <laughs> yeah. I thought you should have had uh, on your podium there at the, at the, you know, your award ceremony, there should have been a lineup of referees that were on your side too. I'm like, fuck, this guy's got all his teammates. He should have half the refs on there too. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there, was, there were some good ones too early on some of those guys were beauties oh, oh yeah paul stewart ron hogarth some of those old names you're just like oh these guys are awesome <laughs> what was his name nick magoo <laughs> nick magoo nick magoo oh yeah he was a beauty too billy mccreary oh man i i love billy mccreary i learned my lesson the hard way with billy mccreary he gave me five minors one night at msg <laughs> so I, I learned my my time there proxy proxy I loved your speech. And another thing, when you gave Chaser and Twister and those boys credit for like, like, listen, you're 6'6", you can always chuck them, but they gave you a little extra room out there to maneuver. And, and in the game today, you don't see it as much, but how important were those two guys and guys like that to, to allow you to play on an edge that everyone loved about you? Yeah, well, instrumental early on, especially when the league was a little bit different. You know, I could play my game. They'd come in and clean up and clean house. And, uh, you know, when you got a guy like Twister, who everybody feared, you know, everybody was always on their edge of their oh, seat. Yeah. Like you heard stories of guys in the other opposing dress room, like nobody touch anybody tonight because I have to fight that guy. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have the other team already on edge like that, you know, it just gives you, you know, you, it's, it's like playing with the heavyweight of the league. You're like, all right, free reign out there tonight, boys. You know, yeah. you just, you, you play with a, a little extra edge in your game and, uh, you know, chaser, you know, I, I remember when I turned pro, I was skating with the Ty Domi and a few guys in Toronto uh, before I got to Hartford and chaser was one of the guys that was skating. And I remember talking to Ty because he was a Peterborough Pete, like I was. And he's like, you see that guy right there? Pound for pound. He's the toughest guy in the league. And he was pointing at Chaser. And I'm like, who the hell is that? (laughs) I didn't know where he was. He was in the Western Conference. I was in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, he was kind of up and down from the minors a lot. And uh, I looked at him like, that guy? Seriously? And I'm telling you what, man, you should have seen some of the guys he took down. It was impressive. Yeah. I yeah, know he was a killer. If you don't know who he is, you can hear him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got a second follow-up <laughs> yeah. question to that. Um, did, did you feel the same way in Anaheim with me on the ice when I was with you? Did you <laughs> oh, feel absolutely. the same? Okay, no, good. Yeah, I, mean, I, was just, I was just checking. I wanted to make sure you spoke. <laughs> hey, hey, and it's, fun, it's funny. Chaser always says he'd tell guys on the other team, he's like, hey, 
Prongs is, you want to get at Prongs, he's third in line. You got to go through Twister and you got to go through me first. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. yeah. That's awesome. That's oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely. Awesome. And uh, more often than not, they weren't ready for number one <laughs> or number two. And God forbid they ever got through them. They were probably too tired and they just didn't want to uh, <laughs> have to waste any more time. <laughs> hey, Prongs, like Obi said, your speech, man, it was it was awesome. It really touched home. Um, you talked about your boy, Pavel Dimitra, in your speech, thanked his kids and his wife. Not like playing against him, tough little Slovak, like insanely skilled, but super tough. Uh, what type of teammate was he? He was awesome. Yeah, Pat was awesome. He, uh, very, very competitive. Um, I mean, you look back at his stats, he was like top 10 every year in the league in scoring, like just highly skilled, unbelievable. Like he would have chewed up the league now with these shootouts. Oh, Unreal yeah, yeah. Shootouts. he was nasty. Break, you give that kid a breakaway, he is scoring. Yeah, no question. So he would have chewed up the league with all these uh, shootouts and things like that. He'd have an insane scoring percentage for sure. He just, he had like three or four different moves and they were all from the same angle. And we, we, when we used to do it in practice, he's scoring nonstop. And, and just from his scoring ability to his playmaking, his vision, uh, you know, him and Mellon being Kachuk a couple of years had, had some unreal years together. Um, but just, you know, getting a, getting a chance to practice against, player, against players like that. And when yeah. they're competitive, you know, you're matching up day in, day out in practice and trying to get better. And, you know, that, that's what you need to get better is, is those types of players that that take practice serious, that that want to get better. And, and you know, when he's getting hacked and whacked by me, he knows it's easy to go out in the other on yeah. the ice. With the other ice. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Prongs, I, I play with Demo in Vancouver and, and he was a great teammate. And, and I remember two things the most. He took me out in Minnesota, and him and Gabrick and showed me a night in Minnesota that I didn't think existed. And yeah. <laughs> the only time I sent a ball of red wine back in my career, me and Demo were in Montreal. I think we were at Bonanote or whatever, and we corked it, and we had a sip of it, and he said, no, we're sending that back. I'm like, it's not that bad, Demo. He's like, no, no, kid, we're sending that back. I'm like, all right, you, you're, you're the vet. Send her back, baby. So those are the two things. But you're right, Prongs, like – practice and, and games and if we lost a couple like he he was so, super competitive like that's what i loved about him too yeah yeah it, quietly too yeah. you know it wasn't oh you know talkative and it just put his head down and got to work yeah prongs i, I want to ask you because I, I know i only spent three quarters of a year with you but when i watched you every day and the way you came to the rink and worked hard and got your routine done like it rubbed off on me throughout Maybe not as much as it should have throughout my career, but it rubbed off on me a little bit. Um, but you talked about Al McKennis and, and how much he meant to you, and that really just like you know kind of blew me away. And just touch on you know what you learned from him and how much he rubbed off on you daily. Yeah, I think when you have a chance, you know, at that time he was thirty-two, I was twenty. Um, he had already won a Stanley Cup in Calgary. I think he was pretty close to almost having a thousand points already, and and so. You know, night in, night out, day in, day out, watching how he prepared for practice, how he handled the media, how he carried himself out in public, um, you know, how he played the game. You know, while he had thirteen or 1,400 points, whatever he had as a defenseman, played hard defensively, you know, which I don't think he got a lot of credit for because everybody looked at the numbers. He was gritty, grittier than people, I think, think as a defender and uh, used his stick uh Pretty hard, maybe not <laughs> quite to my level, but he, he he got into guys a lot with his stick and turning over the the, the hook that he had. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think just and then and then ultimately, as I found my trainer and and you know learned the fitness side of the game and and what worked for me, 
uh, you know, obviously training with Charles Poliquin and, and learning how to eat and, and train and, and all the rest of that was, uh, was kind of when my game really took its next step. Yeah, you guys, you guys were deep hairs when I first came in the league back in 2002. I, I remember going in to play you guys, and I'll never forget this move. Yeah, I'll never forget this move Al pulled on me. I'm forechecking him, and I was a good forechecker. That's, I'll give myself credit for forechecking. But I went in. You're going to forecheck at the bar, too. So yeah, 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 thanks, Ops. <laughs> I went in full blast at him, right? And he has his back to me, puck gets rimmed around, and he goes in on what would have been to getting the puck on his backhand, and he just, like, taps it through his through his skates yeah. to hit like a low centerman, but it was oh, like so NHL easy. And I, and I was flying. I think I ran right into the wall after and I was like, Oh my God, that was, I've never seen that play in hockey. Like <laughs> You're like the, the guy, in the Moose Jaw Warriors isn't making that play. No, he's not making that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. And then talk about, I mean, what an all-star lineup you guys had. Um, I want to talk about Holly and just how, you know, big of a beauty Holly is and how natural hockey was to that guy. Um, he obviously worked hard, but I want to know what, will there ever was he be a pro? A, will there ever be another Brett Hull come through the game, the way he was and the way he spoke no, and no way. his character, no way. <laughs> right? There's not yeah, a chance. The closest, the closest is probably Ovechkin, not from a physical standpoint, but just from a pure goal scoring. And Holly, when I got there, it was almost like he got to a point where he was bored with scoring and all he wanted to do was be a playmaker. <laughs> Every time he went on a two on one, he always tried to pass. I'm like, you're a goal scorer, Holly. Like, we need you to score. And it almost like he got bored. That's fine. You know, he was so good. And I, I mean, his shot with that curve and that stick and the whip that he created, big, huge forearms. And, um, you know, it was a gift for sure. And and the the little holes that he could shoot into, I don't know if I've seen anybody do it the way he did. Proxy, I, I want to talk to his. Uh, I want to talk about his day to day routine. Was it was it quite as nip and tuck as Alvin Kennedy's, or was it, it was it more lunch with routine the boys? Me and Al. <laughs> uh, uh, he I, had an all world routine. I can tell you that. <laughs> I would have been on Halsey's routine. I would have been out of the league about six days. They would have been like, "Hey, you're 14 pounds heavier than you were six days ago." Get out of the league. You, you oh, there's the very few guys, but he's one of them where you can tell. Just took the skates out of the box and <laughs> yeah. skated all summer. And he puts the skates on, hops out right before training camp. And he looks like he, he did at the end of the year. It's crazy. Like, how do you do that? Prongs, were you playing with him when he fucking showed up to that WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble there when he, when he came on the, we came out in the no, ring. Do you I ever see so. that video? No, I never did. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. He, he comes out, he's pretty jacked, but he's in the fucking WWF ring. I don't know who else he was with. The videos, the Our, videos all time. Prince will find, Prince that, he'll find that. Yeah, um, and I love how he take pride in not scoring any empty netters. Oh, yeah. he's, he's like, oh. I don't score empty netters. These guys oh, want to score sixty a year. They'll he'd get wait for somebody to catch up, and if nobody came up, he'd just keep skating and maybe just dump it in the corner. <laughs> yeah, no he would way. never score empty netter goals. He'll he'll tell you that right, team. The fuck, I never scored any empty netters. Seven wow. Hours. Okay, that's. Even more legendary. Yeah. Wow. I never, I never knew that. I never knew that. So. And then, then there's other guys that got 15. Yeah. <laughs> Every year they Some get 15. Some guys never skate. Uh, empty netters. I'm like, I've never seen you skate that fast. So all year, right? The guy gets empty netters. He's, he's going to, oh. Hey, so you had an all-star uh, set, of, set of old teammates up there. One in particular, a backup goalie, all-time guy, uh, Jamie McLennan, Noodles. I spoke to him earlier. I wanted to get a couple stories out of him. So he told me a couple. One... In L.A., uh, well, you're going to L.A., and all you do is ask him to just yeah. handle the rebound. We were we were playing L.A. 
in St. Louis. And then we were going out to LA after the game for a road trip. And the puck was slowly spinning towards him. And I went off to the side. I'm like, noodles, noodles, noodles. And he got nervous. And as a stand-up goalie, he kicked the puck with his stick. And it went out into the slot as Rob Blake is coming down to one-time it. And I'm like, I got to eat this one. And I slide to block it. Smokes me in the foot, breaks my foot. I got to wear a boot while we're going out to L.A. I'm like noodles this is not going to be good <laughs> i'm screaming at him as it as i go down to block it then i'm turn around and i get to the bench and i'm giving him the finger <laughs> i'm so mad at him and you know he's a mental midget he's he's in the net he's losing his marbles and he, oh my god i broke his foot and, um it was a it was not the ideal western swing that uh, you're typically used to with a boot on yeah uh, going out for dinners and whatnot, but you make do with what I, you got. I'm sure I, I'll bet you like you found a way to, to, to still manufacture your way around out there. <laughs> hey, Proxy, I want to piggyback the noodles because it was another thing of your speech I thought was super cool and just your sense of humor. You're like, he was my par- he was my, bartend- my bartender slash sports psychologist, but how nice is it to have a guy that you played with like that that you could break, break things down, a tough loss or whatever. Hey, come over for a drink. We can talk it out. It goes a long way. No, absolutely. You know, we, you know, for three and a half, you know, almost four years, he was he was the backup goalie. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the time, you know, he was trying to get a new contract and what have you. And he had a a, a really good contract year. Uh, I think he might have played 25, 30 games, and he won like twenty of them. So he had a great record, really good stats, and he's negotiating his new deal, and and something came up and he's, I said, well, let me just call Larry. And we were at my house and I, I'm like, well, let me call Larry and I'll ask him. He's like, what, what you're going to, you're going to call Larry. <laughs> and and I, I get Larry on the phone and he's on the phone and noodles jumps behind the couch and he's hiding. He's like, is that Larry? I'm like, noodles, he's on the phone. He's I can't like, see you. Noodles. You know, is, he's all nervous that I called the GM and I'm just asking him a question. I'm like, it was such a mental midget, but, uh, you know, we dinners, uh, you know, go to the bar after games and whatnot, uh, you know, talk about the game, talk about life, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you just need to get away from the game itself and, and just be real with people. And, uh, and he was certainly one of those guys for me. What about Grant Fuhrer? Tell, talk about, I'm an Edmonton boy. I loved him growing up, legend. How was he to play? I had him as an assistant coach in Phoenix with Gretz. Um, great golfer, fucking sick yeah. golfer. But uh, yeah, I, I got a story too about him letting one in last game of the year on maybe a bonus of yours. But yeah, I'll tell you a sh- couple. So Fuhrer's, he was awesome, awesome to play in front of. I mean, it was, if, if it was always his fault. <laughs> oh no, 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 my fault. <laughs> no, no, my fault, boys. I should have had it. I'm like, okay, we suck. And so one day I'm going back to the puck and he stops at the arguably one of the worst puck playing goalies of all time. <laughs> Terrible with the puck. And I go back and I go into the corner and I'm like, Fierzy, Fierzy. Boom. Smokes me in the chest with the puck. And then you can always see him laugh. You know, you see his head bobbing up and down. He's laughing in the net. Oh, man. And he's just giving me grief. And then uh, I had a, a million dollar bonus for plus minus. And I was going against Larry Murphy in Detroit at the time. And I had I was up two on Larry Murphy. And we're late in the game in the third period. 
And uh, and Fierzy lets in a shitty goal. And I'm like, Fierzy, <laughs> hey, you know what's on the line. I've already prepped everybody. You know, it's a meaningless game other than that bonus. And I'm like, hey, you know what this means, man. Like, come on. Oh, you, what, hey, prong, you know, Fierzy. Oh, hey, prongs. What? What? Is there a bonus on the line? What? You want me to funnel another one in? <laughs> it's like, oh, you're a dick. You're playing with oh, dynamite. Immediately, here. I got to say, sorry, no, Fierzy, you're right. Funnel another, you want me to funnel another one in here, Proxy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And by the way, he would have. Oh, he yeah, would've. for sure. Because he, yeah, all he just, just to make his point that I can do it. You be nice. Be nice out here. <laughs> that is legendary. Stuff. Yeah, Fierzy's a beauty. Good agent, too, eh? Plus, minus bonus for a million. Good agent there. Pat Morris got that dialed for you, eh? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, I had a lot of bonus. That was when you could get bonuses. I had a lot of bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Progsy, just the last thing on your ceremony, you finished her off with the Bud Light, fella. That was uh, a nice touch. Did that come to you naturally? Something you had planned out? Or did you see one on the way out to the podium and say, hey, that'll be nice and tasty after I'm done here? No, no. Actually, on my ride down to uh, to the rink, in my, I had a little cheat sheet note thing there, kind of stuff that I wanted to say. And and in it, as I was looking at it on the way down to the rink, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I had like the two beer emoji. And I'm like, well, I mean, I might as well cheers the crowd while I'm out here. So I just, I had them set up a couple beers uh, by the podium for me and gave the gave the crowd a big cheer and slug one back. Uh, yeah, was, I, I saw that. It was, was, it was perfect, bro. Yeah. I, I was like, fucking Prongs killed it. That's all. Oh, it's your night. It's like yeah. you fucking, you know, you get to do whatever they the hell you want. what they want, right? That's yeah, exactly yeah. it. Prongs, I wanted to ask you too, like, obviously coming out as a second overall, like, what was your, was a goal in the back of your mind ever? Like, hey, I want to get my jersey retired someday. Or, or you don't worry about that stuff. That just comes with the work you put in to eventually get it, there, right? You know, whether it's, you know, Hall of Fame or, you know, number retired or, you know, being recognized or honored by some of these teams that have rings of honor and all this, you know, all the different stuff, that stuff just comes with performance and preparation and all that. It's that stuff's completely out of your hands and, and you just got to play the game well, at the end of the day, uh, play the game, be competitive, try to win as many games as you can. And, and with some of that success, ultimately you hope you left a mark and, you know, whether it's fan outcry or ownership or management or whoever's pushing for something, um, you know, ultimately you hope that, uh, that you've done enough to, to leave your mark on the game and, and then on an organization. Well, you certainly yeah. did both of those buddy. And that speech was, uh, yeah, you, you killed it for me. So I, I want to ask you a couple things here. I want your opinion on a couple things nowadays here, baby. <laughs> I, I don't know if you watch the world juniors. I know it got cut short, but that own power, I called him a new age, Chris Pronger. How does that sit with you? I said, minus the cross checks. But Proxy, <laughs> what he reminded me of you is the way he comes around the net and his first pass, man. And that was like the first thing I noticed about you when I practice with you every day. I'm like, that is fucking crispy. Crispy rice. Like, crispy rice. Did you notice that at all when you watched him? A little bit of similarities of you? Yeah, actually, I've, I've been scouting that kid since he was 14 with the Chicago Steel. Wow. Um, he's a much better skater than I was, I can tell you that. <laughs> the old 10 and 2. Yeah, yeah he might be a little <laughs> great, bit better skater. Great than skater. For a big man, he's a great skater. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, sees the ice very well. Uh, uses his body effectively. Uh, I don't think, you know, he's like Preko. I don't think he's got a mean streak. Uh, but he's he's got a lot of impressive tools. <laughs> he's a good yeah. player. And I like the fact that he was out there just chewing the gum in the World Juniors. No mouth guard, chewing the gum, snapping around. I'm like, this guy's ready already. Get this I've guy only, in the league. I've only seen Pavel Bure do that. 
in, in an NHL game. Yeah. He was blowing bubbles on the half wall one time. And I was like, yeah, while he was boy. standing at the far blue line yeah. waiting. <laughs> so, someone sauce me the puck up here, would you? Honestly, <laughs> honestly we, we played them when he was in Florida. We had a five on four in the zone. He just stood out at the far red line. <laughs> stood there waiting for a, a bad a bounce job. to hop over your stick. And that, yeah. Same here. He got 60 goals. Like yeah, that's, as as a teammate, I'm sorry, but I would be losing my yeah, marbles. No, yeah, you're not letting that slide. I, I've been in a gesture with you. You're not. <laughs> I don't care if it's the Russian rocket or who the fuck it is. You're gonna come back at your own blue line a little bit here. At least stand at the blue line by the defenseman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's not gonna beat you the other way, anyways. Progsy, I wanted to ask you one more thing too about D-man nowadays, and and we talk about McCarr a lot and Headman. Who do you think right now when you watch snapping around that? You know, obviously, Hedman's got the back-to-back cups. Is he still the guy, in your opinion, or is McCarr? Who's the best right now? I think it depends on what you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for, you know, offensive juggernaut, you know, McCarr would be hard-pressed to find a kid that has more skill than, than McCarr does and, yeah. and have that skating ability and, and vision. Um, you know, I think he's got a little bit of, of jam to his game. You know, you've seen him, th- seen him throw his body around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, you know, the, the game has changed and, you know, a lot of it is offensively based with respect to, you know, puck movement, skating, uh, you know, handling the puck and things of that nature. Uh, not a lot of attention gets drawn on the defensive side of the game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How they defend, where they defend, uh, that, you know, that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, people always ask, oh, well, who's who plays the closest to you? And my answer is nobody. Nobody right because now. No. Because you can't. Yeah. Number one, you can't, but they're not built that way anymore because they don't have to play that way. They don't play that way in minor hockey. They don't play that way in junior. They don't play that way in college. They, that's just not the way they're taught to play the game. It's so true. Like, I, I watch some games now, and I, and I always well, I watch, like, you know, the four, five, six defensemen, right? Because uh, that's what well, I was, five, six. And the mistakes they make on the D side of the puck, I'm like, my night would have been over. Like, if I made <laughs> yeah, that totally. play, Torch would have been like, <laughs> oh, have a Oops. fucking seat. And after the game, ride the bike for 45 minutes, too, while you're at it. And it seems, Prongs, <laughs> these guys get just put back out there. Like, you know, there's not as much. I think they're okay with the mistakes defensively if you can go that way offensively with it, right? Oh, absolutely. But I also think part of that is they don't practice. Like these teams, they don't practice anymore. So they get these kids. Practice was where you worked on a lot of that stuff. You worked on your system play. You worked on some of the subtle nuances of defensive play and how you handle from the corner to the net and, and things of that nature. And I don't think they have enough time to work on some of this stuff. And a lot of the stuff that they do work on is all offensively based, moving the puck, uh, corralling loose pucks, you know, off the boards and the stuff we used to work on in the offensive zone. You know, that's the stuff that I think they do a lot of their work on nowadays. Yeah, I would have to agree. And last one for me, Prongs, I, I you know, you no know one protected the fucking blue paint better than you, fella. You had the tongues out, and you got the cross checks. I love watching it. I, I argue with my boy Cooley all the time about this fucking cross check rule. When you're sitting in your nice pad, you're watching these great games, drinking red wine or whatever, and you see these guys standing on the blue paint, is there a little part of you that wants to get out there and maybe just throw one more cross checker? Or what do you think of this lockdown and, and just the lack of battles in front of the net? Well, I think I think what there's two there's two reasons why. Uh, one is now everybody has to front the puck, 
You got five guys all staring at the puck trying to get in the way. You got a guy you're paying anywhere from five to $10 million to stop the puck. Let him do his job. Yeah. Uh, secondly, when rules are reinstituted or rewritten, if you will, uh, and we're going to call it a certain way now, there's always an opportunity on it in a different side of it. If you're not engaged behind the guy knocking him with your stick, uh, you know, from the side doing it, then you got to engage with your stick and get into him and lift his stick. Hopefully that's not hooking now. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting two for that yeah, too. I think Prongs. Yeah, I think they're going to dig you for that. You know, <laughs> and creating more penalties. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. And get into the, the guy and like get on him, lean on him, lean on him. You know, not enough. Let him know you're there. <laughs> Bleed all over him. Let him know you're there. Yeah. I don't know if you've been to a hockey game lately, but Obes, like last week, it's just, it's sometimes it's soft. It yeah. I took my boys. Part, my of that, part of that is they're, they're, they don't want to get engaged because they, they want to go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they're I, that's, too invested that's, in wanting to get going north and south, more north, and get going on the offense that. They don't want to be engaged with the guy because they want to get out in front of that guy. Yeah, I asked the coach. I asked the coach if if I'm a forward and the puck goes DDD and I skate all the way to the corner, but they move the puck again. Can I finish my check or do you want me to stay above and turn back? He's like, stay above and turn back. Don't finish that check. I'm like, but I skated all the way there. He's like, no, anymore. You got to stay above the guy. Stay above the guy. I'm like, fuck. You That's know, why they go like this. Yeah, <laughs> 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 spin cycle. So wasn't somebody talking about how I handled the rookies? One time. <laughs> yeah, I think I told maybe the story about when Ryan Shannon decided to get up uh, <laughs> before you uh, before you off the plane or bus. And um, yeah. you kind of, you know, you kind of let him have it a little. You, you just told my uh, kid, listen, I said, Shannon, uh, yeah, don't go before prongs. <laughs> don't go before the veterans. Don't go before the veterans. Exactly. Exactly. Rookies get off. There are very few things can you do nowadays to teach young people leadership I teach agree. them to appreciate and respect the veterans the people that have come before you this is a simple way to do that that i thought uh you know i've been in the early younger days been abused you know verbally whatever and it's something simple that takes 30 seconds just let the veterans get off show your respect let the veterans get off let the veterans get to the food line first you're gonna get there it's not that big a deal <laughs> And ultimately, as they talked to James Van Riemsdyk about this in, in Philly, once you get to your second year, you feel like you've accomplished something Absolutely. and you feel like you're invested in the in the team and, and being a veteran and understanding who came before you. You respect the game that much more. You respect the guys you're with. You're bringing the group together in, a, in, a, in an interesting, cool way. Totally. People on the outside might not think that, but when you talk to those guys that have Got done it, and once they get past that, I gotta let these guys get off the bus. Whip de do. Life <laughs> yeah. lessons. They, they, they have a great deal of respect for what they learned from doing that. Hundred percent, buddy. And throughout my career, when we would bring, when we'd have some young guys that would do it, I would say to them, I'd say, Hey, listen, I I played for, I played with Chris Pronger my rookie year, and Prongs, you know, you, you you pay your, you sit on the bus and you go by, and I liked it. I'd be on the bus. You guys would come by. You, Robbie Niedermeyer, whoever, chirp me on the way by. I'd be like, hey, boys, enjoy the fucking food in there. Save some ranch for me, hey? Save some ranch for me. Like, it, it, it's fun. And then you earn it, Prongs. And then my second year, I said, hey, fucking rookie, sit on the front of the bus. I'm going in to get my, you know, it's true. It's true. You know, yeah. I, I agree well, with you. And 
And it allows you to be, you feel like more of the team too, to be honest with you. A yeah. lot of the guys feel invested more in the team. They're not, you know, some of these guys are getting called up and down a hundred times. Yeah. And, you know, they feel like they're one of the guys. They're one of the team. Yeah. And, you know, I think I felt like it brought the team together. And, you, and as long as you have fun with it, like you're talking about, it's not that serious. No. Like, come on. No. Yeah. It's not Everyone's like, a family. Yeah, yeah. It was great. And we had that. That's what we had in Anaheim too, right? We had our veteran guys like Prongs and Solani and the boys. And then we had us young punks and they kept us in line. It was great. I, I mean, we won that. every game too. So maybe that's why it was fun, Prongs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but, but there it goes there again. Yeah. Brings no, the group together. And everybody's a part of the road, the, the ride. And it's something too, like we talk about going no bucket here. And then I remember like I asked you like my rookie year and I was like, yo, when Prongs, when in your opinion, I don't know if you remember, you're like, Hundred games, oh, hundred games. You take that bucket off, you never have to put it on again. So I would tell kids the same thing. I'd say, "Hey, Chris Pronger told me hundred games." There's only one kid that I said, "Landis Cog in Colorado." I said, "Listen, Prongs told me hundred games. I'm going to disagree with him on this one. We're fucking need to sell some tickets. Take that helmet off. Let's see the flow. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a couple more fans in here, Landy. Take the helmet yeah. off. <laughs> oh, we got to show the flow. We got to show the flow, buddy. We need you here. We got yeah. half empty buildings. You know, we're actually winning some hockey games. Take the helmet off, Landy. So yeah." Um, prongs. Awesome, man. Um, it was awesome, buddy. I hope you know how much you meant to me, my rookie year brother. And, and the speech was awesome. Your Jersey brother. We, we, we're big fans of here. Thank, Thank you for you. taking the time. Uh, I still want to get on the golf course with you too. I, uh, I'd like to get yeah, up there. I just had a total knee replacement two months ago. So a couple months, I'll be back in business. All right. All right, brother. I'll be, I'll be there waiting for you when you're a little, spring. when you're a little <laughs> rusty, when you're a little rusty, I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> Prongs, thank you, man. This is great. Congrats right, again. Thanks, you betcha. Thanks, buddy. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com